Hello there. Welcome to this episode of the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm so glad you joined me. I'm Karen. If you're loving tuning into this podcast, I encourage you to also hop on out to accessmore.com to check out the podcasts there. Chances are you'll enjoy it. They've got all kinds of faith-based uh, podcast, educational and entertaining podcasters. And if you're looking for sermons, they've got them. Looking for entertainment? Got them. Fun podcasts? They've got those too. You're looking for theology, Bible study, family-centered, kid-related, how-to, how-come, why-not? They've got them on accessmore.com. Just hop on out and search because it's a safe place to look for your next favorite podcast. Although, don't forget to favorite this one too. I hope you like, download, share this podcast, and then go on out to accessmore.com. Okay, today's episode is all about the forgiveness, how to, how come, and why we should. But first, I have some pod quotes, as always. These are all from unknown sources, but they're ones I love, so I need to share them with you. Here we go. I never knew how strong I was until I had to forgive someone who wasn't sorry and accept the apology I never got. Sometimes the first step to forgiveness is understanding that the other person is a complete idiot. (laughs) Yeah, that's a snarky one. I like it though. Okay, and here's my favorite. Holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Okay, Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So I forgive because God said so. (laughs) I forgive because it's not only commanded of me by my heavenly father, but because it's also what's best for me. And growing up, if I didn't forgive my brothers and sisters for their teasing and torture, I would have had no one to play with (laughs) or subsequently no one for me to poke fun at when I got older. So I learned early on from experience and from my parents that I need to forgive. It's not merely a suggestion though. It's an imperative. Ephesians 4.32 says that we should be tenderhearted to each other and forgive each other just as Christ has forgiven us. We should take um, that seriously. We shouldn't take it lightly. However, I think in our culture today, it's, uh, it's something that's greatly lacking. Tolerance is different than forgiving. So let me just put that out there. There's lots of tolerance going on. Um, There's lots of judgmentalness going on, but there's not a lot of forgiveness going on. Um, I have a pretty forgiving nature, and I've been told more times than I can count that I'm too forgiving. Has anyone else ever been told that? You're too forgiving? Well, here's the scoop. I've learned what I suspected over the years is true. You cannot be too forgiving. It does not make you weak to forgive. It makes you stronger. And I should wear a banner over my head that says, don't mistake my kindness and forgiveness for weakness. But that being said, uh, this is there is a time when I used to be weak. As human beings, we think we we have to forgive and forget. And I used to believe that too. That's where people saw a weakness in me. I would act as if I forgot the hurt and the actions and words that someone, you know, had against me, but then I would set myself up to be hurt all over again because I would forget. 
So I would forgive and then I would work hard to try to forget or at least pretend that I could forget because I'm sorry, I have a human brain. It does not forget easily until I get older. Um, and, and so then I'd get hurt again. So then I would forgive and then I'd forget and act like everything was fine. And then I get hurt all over again and again and again and, you know, rinse and repeat. It was happening over and over again. That is weakness. That pattern is weakness. You can let them hit you on one cheek and then turn the other cheek. But then guess what? You've only got two more cheeks and that means you're getting a kick in the pants. So the good part is that my forgiving them was obedient. The bad part was that my forgetting and allowing the same thing to happen over and over again was weak. Because do you know that the Bible actually doesn't say we're supposed to forgive and forget? It's a human assumption that with forgiveness comes the ability to forget. Why? Because if we would simply forget the sin, then we wouldn't hold it against someone. That's the easy way out, isn't it? But we can't, you know, we can't, it's forgotten. We couldn't hold it against somebody. It's done out of the brain, never to rub it in someone else's face again or hold it against them. We don't have to think about it anymore. We have, don't have to hurt from it. We just forget it, pretend it doesn't exist. So that sounds great. That's the basic idea of forgiveness, right? Not holding something against someone, moving on, letting it go. So forgetting about it, it seems the best step. But forgetting is not the same thing as forgiving. Think about it for a minute. If we actually did just forget, then that sort of takes out the whole need to forgive in the first place. It pretty much lets us off the hook. We don't have to do the work it takes to forgive someone, to heal from that experience, to learn from that situation, to maybe even help someone else through the forgiveness. If, if all we do is forget the transgression, it's also easy to trick ourselves into thinking we actually forgave someone. If we just never bring it up again, we pretend we've forgiven them. We, we pretend that we've forgotten it. We pushed it out of our minds then we don't have to deal with it anymore. But here's the thing. It's still there because forgetting is not forgiving. And if we have brains that are made to remember, for the most part, they are. I can't maybe remember if I put the milk in the fridge or in the pantry, but I actually cannot forget when someone hurts me or lied to me, abused me, cheated on me, snubbed me. Those are things that I can't forget. And now I am at that age when my memory decides to go spontaneously on vacation. One day I was talking to my aunt on the phone and all the while trying to gather up things to head out of the house. So I was putting things in tote bags and looking for my to-do list. And then I couldn't find something. And, and, and I'm searching and searching. I was getting so frustrated. She must have heard it in my grunts and groans. And she said, what's going on with you? And I said, oh, I need to get on the road, but I can't find my cell phone. She said, you're talking on it. <laughs> so yeah, I can't remember where my phone is and that it's in my hand and I'm talking on it, but I can remember every hurt and every wrong and everything others have done to hurt me and what I've done to hurt them. I can try to forget. I can pretend to forget. And I think that's mostly what people do. They think it's the same as forgiveness and it's not. God wants us to remember the lessons that come with the process of forgiving and the realities of what has happened to us. 
not to live in it, not to sit in it, not to rub it in other people's faces, but to learn from it and grow from it. And again, I contend if we forget, then there's no point in forgiving. So the whole forgive and forget notion is not accurate. It's an assumption being drawn from our human rationale. The Bible says that Jesus forgives our sins and that he will cast our sins as far as the east is to the west, remembering them no more. Jesus will, not us, Jesus. We are told no ifs, ands, or buts about it to forgive. And whatever he asks of us, he will give us the strength to do. He'll give us the ability and the insight to do it. But we oftentimes have to put in a bit more effort than we think we do or than we want to. So I have to ask, how much more pain, heartache, and trouble would we get into if we forgot the lessons that come with the pain? Or if we just chose to ignore them, pretend it didn't exist? How many relationships and bad situations are we continually finding ourselves in over and over and over again because we choose to <clears throat> forget, even though we know we really didn't forget? We would open ourselves up to being hurt the same way over and over and over again, which I have done. And us making the same bad choices and bad decisions again and again and again, again, which I have done. Because not only would we initially not work to forgive, but we, we would forget what in the world we forgave if, even if we tried to forgive, right? The forgetting is a whole misnomer. We would forget how we got in the mess in the first place if we actually forgot a whole scenario of being hurt or hurting someone else. Because let's be real, sometimes part of the hurts we have to forgive are lifelong lessons that we need. And sometimes they're consequences of our own actions. At times, it's ourselves that we're supposed to be forgiving. And we push that aside, pretending we can forget about what we did too. If we forgot then we would forget whatever it was God got us through. We would forget the lessons we learned and we would forget what it feels like for his hand of strength to be supporting us, his loving presence surrounding us in the middle of something that's devastating or heartbreaking or loss or victimization, whatever it was. I don't know about you, but I never want to get so caught up in my own anger, my own pain and self-righteousness that I forget what God's grace is, that I forget how he helped me stand up under what I went through. I don't want to ever forget that he's got me, that there are streams in the desert and that he can take dry bones and make them alive because I want to live my life. I want to be alive and, and live lively. I want to live with passion. And I can't do that if I have the weight of unforgiveness pulling me down. I think our little amazing precious human brains would forget that there's something called grace that we not only receive, unworthy as we are, but that we are also supposed to give. And again, truthfully, if we simply forgot transgressions of our own and others, then would we ever really have to forgive? Think about it. The word forgiveness means to stop feeling anger towards someone or something, to cease to feel resentment against someone or something, to pardon. It is not condoning someone else's actions or your own, by the way. 
When Jesus died for us, he sacrificed for us. We have forgiveness of our sins because of his grace. And, and that grace, it really, it knows no bounds. There's a song that goes, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sins. Not just some of them, but all of them. Your sins, the person who hurt you, the family member who lied to you, the drug dealer that got your child hooked, the pastor who broke your confidence, the church member who gossiped about you, the sister who rejects you, the spouse who cheated on you, the person in front of you at Kroger who has 55 items and 20 items or less lane. <laughs> Jesus died for all of these people's sins, including yours. His grace surpassed death into eternal life. And on the cross, he literally spoke the words, it is finished. So what does it take inside you to be able to forgive and say it is finished? The number one thing it takes is grace. It's the key. It's the, the core foundation for forgiveness. It's understanding what grace is. I guess that's the first part, right? To be able to extend grace real heartfelt deep down, not going to take it back when I get mad again, grace. That's the key. You might be sitting there thinking, I don't know how to let it be finished. And I am not a complete person. I'm not fully grown. I'm not perfect. So how can I do this forgiveness thing and make it stick? I'd rather just pretend to forget it. But when we pretend to forget it, it comes back up on us. Believe me, it's like eating really spicy food. It comes right back up on you. Again, we are commanded to forgive others and to forgive ourselves though. And God didn't ask us to do anything that is beyond his power within us. Okay. So maybe we can't do it on our own, but we can do it with him. Miriam Webster defines grace as unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification. I'm going to say that again because I like it. Unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification. Don't you love that? It's unmerited, which means not earned, not worthy, but unmerited divine holy assistance for sanctification. Without grace, we would not be forgiven or sanctified and we would not have the unmerited favor and love of Jesus Christ. What about the people we need to forgive? What about showing them grace, even in your pain and suffering? Is it possible? Yes. Do you want to do it? Probably not. <laughs> but it is possible to give others grace, to give them unearned, unmerited forgiveness, just as we have been forgiven. Even if you don't agree with it, even if you're ticked off that you have to do it, that doesn't mean you have to have them in your lives. That doesn't mean you have to talk to them. You don't have to confront them. You don't have to condone what they did. It's just about forgiveness and grace. You know how I said that the ability to forgive has always just, it's kind of been inside me from the time I was younger. Um, it's just part of my nature and that's true. But there have been a few times in my life when unforgiveness has grabbed hold of me and robbed me of my peace. It's kind of knocked me off my path that God had me on. And it put a wedge between myself and God because I wasn't being obedient. You know, there have been a few times when <laughs> conjuring up any grace whatsoever for a particular someone else was not easy. In fact, because of my anger over a particular situation, I really rebuffed and pushed away my instinct to forgive. I held on to 
uh, anger and let it fuel me up. I fueled myself with it and really refused to forgive for quite a while. And I realized I'm not alone in this. It usually happens when it's something that's on a very deep personal level. Level. Remember the, the quote from earlier, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yeah, that's true. Your anger can become like a poison inside of you, slowly killing you from the inside and out spiritually and even physically. Your spiritual condition can be, is reflected usually in your physical condition and it can definitely steal your joy. I went through a time when I let my anger slowly kill who I was. I, I just kind of became someone I wasn't familiar with and people, they, they had no idea what was going on with me. Um, I, it was killing my ability to tune into what God was saying and to follow him and definitely my ability to impart grace. The only thing I cared about grace during that time period was if I said grace at the table before I ate. That's as far as it went. And that's a, a story for another podcast or two. Long story. So, but true forgiveness takes that grace. And it also takes humbleness. No matter what type of forgiveness you're working on, whether it's forgiving other people or forgiving yourself, it takes being humble. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humbleness, gentleness, and patience. The definition of being humble is having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance, unassuming, free from vanity, not proud or haughty, not arrogant. Now, I rarely quote from the message, translation of the Bible, which if you listen to this podcast, you know that, but that modern version in current language kind of spoke to me when it comes to this particular scripture for, for in this one, uh, Paul, who's locked up in a cell because he was a disciple and a follower of Jesus had something to say. So in Ephesians four, two through three, it says in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk better yet run on the road. God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want any of you strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humbleness and discipline, not in fits or stops and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. Wait a minute. We have to go down this path God has for us with humbleness and discipline and pouring out ourselves in acts of love and quick to mend fences. Ugh, that doesn't sound like fun, does it? But let me tell you what, there's such joy and peace in it. I believe you know, just like I know, that there are none of us who are greater, none who are better, none who are worse, less forgivable or more forgivable or more precious in God's sight than anyone else who's tuning into this podcast or in your churches, or in this country, or state, or county that you live in, no one is more dirty than another, more sin-filled, more unforgivable than you and I, or than the drug dealer arrested yesterday, or the man who got drunk and plowed into a family on I-65, or the sibling who lied, or the close friend who rejected you, or the child who used you and turned their back on you, or the husband who struggled with PTSD and worked really hard to change, but got stuck. You know, I had to humble myself and see 
that while my story is different than other people's, um, because maybe I don't have the same experiences and trauma as them, we're still all the same. And let me tell you this, if you tell yourself that people don't change, then you're lying to yourself because people do change. That doesn't mean you have to let the person who changes back into your life, but people do change. You change sometimes for the worse and sometimes for the better. But if, if Saul on the road to Damascus can encounter the divine and change, so can we. Saul who executed Christians for a living, for a living, he did this. He can be so changed. He was so changed by the love of God and God's grace and forgiveness to the point that he totally changed everything in his life, including his name. He changed from Saul to Paul. If that's possible, then a willing Larry can become a Gary and a Brandy can become a Sandy. Don't believe the lie that people can't change. So if you feel like you're stuck and things will never change. Don't believe it. You can change too, but it does take that grace and humbleness. Maybe just maybe with some of that grace and hum humbleness, other people will change too, but whether they do or not, grace and humbleness is a necessity for you. And forgiveness is still a command. You're not forgiving to forget. You're not forgiving to change that other person. You're not forgiving in hopes for a miracle. You're forgiving because that's what you're told to do. And you will feel so much better when you do it. That humble position of just doing it out of obedience is so important because who are we to say that we're too good to forgive someone else or that someone else is not worthy enough to be forgiven when we're the same as them? If anyone could say that they're too good to give another person forgiveness, it would have been Jesus Christ. But he didn't. He died for the forgiveness of all sins. Everyone who accepts him, not just some of us, not just those who go to this church or that church or who look a certain way and not just for those who who beg for forgiveness or swore they'll never do it, whatever it is, again. In fact, the most wonderful part about the scripture that's uh, most often quoted, I believe, from the Bible, John 3.16, is the word whosoever. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Imagine for a moment the strength the commitment, the anguish it took for Jesus to die for our sins, to give the ultimate gift that we might be forgiven. The literal blood, sweat, tears, torn skin, broken bones, stone body, pierced side. Imagine that and tell me that your forgiveness journey and mine could ever compare to that, that it would ever be that hurtful, that painful, that much of a sacrifice. That the hurt we've endured at the hands of another person or the pain we put up with because of our own unwillingness to do the work to forgive is greater than what Jesus endured. It's not. That thought is a thought I have to hold on to. A grain of wisdom. It's a, it's a hugely significant truth in the midst of all of my forgiveness journeys that I have had to hold on to because the truth and wisdom that tells me that I have endured so little compared to what was endured for me is what keeps me going. That I have been forgiven when I'm not worthy of forgiveness, that it was not earned in his grace and favor or unmerited is truth. 
because I'm forgiven. So if he can forgive me and let it go, let it be finished, then I can take my human hurts, real, raw, deep, and or even the petty ones, and forgive as he did. I need to remember what Jesus did, what he humbled himself to do, and how amazing his grace is. If you're not sure if you're holding on to unforgiveness, let me break it down for just a minute. Because here are some signs you're holding on to unforgiveness. Sign number one, when you try to rest, your mind takes you to that person, that thing or that action that you haven't forgiven. For me, it might be a sibling, for instance, that I thought I'd forgiven, who hurt me deeply. But what I'd actually done was pretend that the issue didn't exist. I didn't deal with it. I didn't talk to that person or see that person, which was actually a healthy thing for me because this person is a toxic person. But still, I didn't deal with it. I just pretended the issue didn't exist for a long time. And then when someone mentioned that person's name to me one day, it triggered something. Suddenly I find myself, uh, I found myself thinking about that person, about the things they said to me and the ways they disregarded me and discarded me and the lies. And every time I tried to lay my head down at night after that, even when I was exhausted, that person came to mind and the same old hurt rose up inside of me. Have you ever caught yourself trying to sleep at night or go for a walk or meditate or pray and your brain goes straight into a scenario where you confront that person who hurt you? Where your brain makes up a, a scenario where you can confront them, chew them out, or, or even get revenge? Well, that's the number one sign that you're holding on to unforgiveness. Sign number two, if you haven't let go of the anger you feel towards that person or maybe even towards yourself for enduring that or towards yourself because you did something wrong, remember the definition of forgiveness, ceasing to resent, to stop feeling anger. If you find yourself talking about that person or that hurt over and over again, you haven't actually forgiven do you hash it out, rehash it out, repeat it to your close friends, your family, and even to God? Are you sitting in it? Are you seething deep down inside? And then the next day you're fine. But then you hear that person's name again, or you see something, it reminds you of it. And then you recall that incident and boom, the anger rises up again and it spills over into your thoughts and actions again and again, over and over. That's a sign that you're actually holding on to unforgiveness. And don't beat yourself up for remembering it because you can't forget. But when you do remember it, does it hold on to you? Does that anger rise up again and again? Does nauseous hit, nauseousness hit you? I mean, I've had some things in my life where I hadn't forgiven someone and their name came up and I literally felt nauseous. I had not forgiven you know, I have a relative who was deeply hurt and affected by her husband. And even though it was 30 years ago, she still talks about it. She still holds resentment and she says she's forgiven him. And yet the first sign of him doing even the slightest thing wrong, like forgetting to take out the trash, she gets angry and she brings up that past situation. That is unforgiveness. Sign number three, insults. What do I mean by that? The person you've been hurt by becomes the target of your insults, bullying, negative talk, cussing, gossip. And this could even be negative self-talk and sarcasm about yourself when you haven't forgiven yourself for something. 
I mean, do you find yourself calling yourself stupid, worthless, or ignorant? Maybe, just maybe you're holding on to some unforgiveness. And that unforgiveness has chipped away your self-esteem, your relationship with God, and maybe kind of knocked you off the path you're supposed to be on. I've been there. It's not fun. But you can come back from it and get back to where you're supposed to be. I just want you to know that when we hold on to unforgiveness, we're holding on to things that bind us up and steal our peace. We create a place in our minds for resentment, bitterness, and anger to build. And that just becomes a foothold for Satan to jump right in. Where there is resentment, bitterness, and anger, there can't be peace. There's little room in our lives to rest or rejuvenate or realign ourselves with God's calling if we're taking up that time and space by holding on to resentment and anger that comes from unforgiveness. I know it's difficult, but I hope that you will intentionally work to muster up the effort it takes to let go of any unforgiveness you have. Ask God to shine a light on where it is that maybe you've held on to something that you're supposed to let go. Not forget, remember the lessons and glorify him for it, but let go of. Don't let it grab a hold of you anymore to be able to show grace and humbleness and forgive. It takes work, but the peace that comes from being able to lay your head down at night and truly rest is well worth it. And more than that, the peace that comes from honoring God and and doing what he told us to do and forgiving others and ourselves is a kind of peace that lasts. So that is my prayer for you. A life of that perpetual forgiveness and that kind of peace that only comes from God. So remember when Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. I pray for you that you can be finished with unforgiveness. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Woman Inspired Podcast. If you want more details about this podcast, hop on out to womaninspired.com. And you can also email me from there if you'd like me to speak at your next event or be a guest on your podcast. Thanks so much. Have a blessed day.